Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> ready for September. We are ready for football. Not ready for summer to end, to be quite honest with you. I like that part of it. But you know what? You got to sacrifice a little bit. To get, you got to give. What's going on, everybody? Grasso with you. It's the Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. We are live and in living color on this Tuesday night. We do it each and every weeknight at 7 p.m. for three straight hours. And you know the number if you want to participate, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. As always, Harvey Cruz and Jacob Perry, they're my buds. They're producing the program tonight. Get me on Twitter, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. And I I don't know if we're going to have enough time to get everything in tonight. I really and truly don't. We've got things to talk about. We've got guests. We've got your phone calls. We've got odds and ends. I mean, we've got everything that you could possibly want wrapped up into three hours Yankees we'll deal with them a little bit later on you know Yankees got some things to work out right now they really and truly do continuing the series with the Angels seeing if they could snap out of the latest funk that they find themselves in and the offense has gone cold again even though they're in Southern California but they can't manufacture any sort of offense they've now dropped three in a row and three in a row against two bad baseball teams in the A's and the Angels So we'll talk to Brian Hoke, who covers them for MLB.com. He'll join us a little bit later on tonight before the game starts. But because remember, Yankees don't play till 930. So we'll talk to Brian at 9 o'clock a little bit later on on the West Coast. Let him do all his pregame stuff, get a nice pregame meal in before he's got to deal with us for a few minutes, before he's got to watch Yankee baseball tonight, seeing if Jamison Tyone can pitch him back into the win column. Roster cuts in the National Football League are a thing. These aren't the finalized rosters, of course. You know, teams have to get down to 53, and, you know, that there's going to be a lot of guys available. There are a lot of guys available, so there's going to be guys being claimed off waivers. Trades are going to be made and so on and so forth, so it's still fluctuating. But maybe some interesting names that have uh, come across here for the Jets and Giants and maybe even around the rest of the NFL, so we'll get into all that stuff a little bit later on in the program. Not long after we got off the show last night and we signed off, we find out, that, hey, R.J. Barrett ain't going anywhere, and that he's going to be a member of the New York Knicks for the foreseeable future, and we can squelch all this rumor stuff about R.J. maybe being part of a deal with the Utah Jazz that would bring Donovan Mitchell back to the East Coast because the Knicks and R.J. come to terms on a nice contract extension, four years. Knicks actually didn't have to even give him the rookie max. That was something that the organization was adamant about. They didn't want to go five years into the upteenth degree. Instead, I think that both sides are going to be happy with this. I mean, four years, 120. I mean, if you're R.J. Barrett, how are you not happy about that? Any human being would be happy with $120 million. But five for 193 is what the rookie max would have been, and the Knicks did not go there. So, you know, maybe not everybody is yet a 1,000% all-in on R.J. Barrett. 
within that organization. They want to see if he could go out there and continue to get better over these next four years. And if they got to give him the max money when that time comes, then they'll have no problem doing so if he's going to produce and if the numbers are going to dictate so. So I think it's a good move. Um, we'll get into a little bit later on with Brian Geltseiler of Sirius XM's NBA radio. And even though Barrett is signed and even though Barrett's not going anywhere, which is, makes a lot of Nick fans happy, we know that. I mean, you and I have talked about this for the last few months, and the majority of you didn't want to part ways with RJ if it meant getting Donovan Mitchell. It's like, I love Mitch. Love D. Mitch. Bring him home. Do whatever it takes to get him here, but not at the expense of RJ. Well, guess what? RJ's not going to be part of any trade, and the best part about it is is that a trade could still happen. It's no different than what we talked about last night before this signing was even announced that the Knicks can still offer the Utah Jazz the best possible deal. No other club in the NBA, unless they completely lose their minds and would have to give up, you know, proven assets, which Utah doesn't want at this point, or to have the draft capital that the Knicks have. You know, Oklahoma City's not going to trade for him. I mean, Oklahoma City's got like nine gazillion draft choices, but they're not doing anything bringing in Donovan Mitchell. It's still the Knicks who were the leaders in the clubhouse. So we can't close the doors yet on a deal happening, and I think that's got to be encouraging if you are a Knicks fan. But we'll get into all that stuff a little bit later on, plus some other things here at 800-919-3776. But we got to start with the Mets. Got to start with the Mets because they're up first tonight. And this is a big series. It's a big series out at City Field. There's few of these get-togethers during the regular season. When you play 162 games, that is going to merit the type of attention that Mets and Dodgers will. They're two first-place teams. They're the teams with the two best records. What? In all of Major League Baseball, pretty much. And you might say that these are the two best teams in Major League Baseball. You know what? For my money, go ahead. I'll say it. Why not? These are the two best teams in the sport for the next three days at City Field. And it's a very much so, I think, a prove-it series for the Mets. Now, you don't want to get too carried away. Because if the Mets go out there and win this series, and if they were to meet again, let's say, in October, it doesn't mean anything. If the Dodgers get the better of them over the next three days and they meet again in October, not going to mean anything. You know, I go back always to 2015. That year the Mets lost all seven games in the regular season to the Chicago Cubs. All seven. It was ugly. And then what happened when they played in the National League Championship Series? Mets made quick work at Chicago. But going into the playoffs, and, you know, we hit on this a little bit last night with the Dodgers and this latest injury they're dealing with in their starting rotation with Tony Gonsolin, who's down for a couple of weeks. You know, I don't love this Dodgers starting pitching when it comes to the playoffs. I don't. And there's only so much mixing and matching that Dave Roberts can do to kind of avoid these maybe shorthanded situations they're going to find themselves in. I mean, how many of these starting pitchers that the Dodgers have do you actually feel confident in in a playoff series, right? I mean, Julio Arias has been there okay. He's closed out a World Series for you in a couple of years ago, in 2020 when they last won it. You know, Kershaw, if he's healthy, you know, he's got big game experience, but is Kershaw going to be healthy? Uh, that's big. You know, Dustin May has only made like a couple of starts back, and he missed a year plus with Tommy John surgery. Who knows where he's going to be at in another month? You know, and Gonsolin, now he's on the shelf. Where's he going to be? And Tyler Anderson, Tyler Anderson's had a nice year, but Tyler Anderson was never considered an elite pitcher before this season. He's got no record of postseason success. Met pitchers, you're talking about the two best pitchers in baseball with DeGrom and Scherzer. That's why they brought him together. 
It was to get them to the playoffs, and then once they get there, to be two arms that an opposing team is going to see upwards of four times potentially in a seven-game series. That is an advantage that the Mets possess. And if you look at these pitching matchups here over the next few days, tonight it's Taiwan Walker against Andrew Haney. Remember Andrew Haney? Former Yankee Andrew Heaney? Yeah, that's how desperate the Dodgers are right now. They've got Andrew Heaney in their starting rotation. Now, he's not as bad as he was with the Yankees because it's going to be tough to top that. But tomorrow you got DeGrom against Tyler Anderson. you got to like your chances there. And then Thursday, it'll be Chris Bassett in a matinee game against Clayton Kershaw. That'll be Kershaw's first start off the shelf. He hasn't pitched in a while. Dodgers announced that earlier today. But you got to like the Mets' chances, at least on paper, in the next three games. And it is a measuring stick. I firmly believe it. But if the Mets are going to be successful over the next couple of days, you know what they got to do? they got to pick up the offense. That would be nice, wouldn't it? I complained about that last night. You want to see this team start to swing the bats a little bit better. You know, how about tacking on some runs, tacking on some offense? There is nothing in the rules of baseball that say once you score a couple of runs early in a game that you can't keep adding on to that total. How about that? You know, that is a possibility. Francisco Lindor has had a really, really good season, but my God, guys, he's got to pick it up. What is he, like one for his last 20? I know he was at the U.S. Open last night watching Serena, and he went to Bad Bunny the night before in the Bronx, and you know what? Good for him. How about going out there and getting some base hits, though? I'm not saying he shouldn't have a social life and all those things, but you know what? Start producing. Lindor's had a really, really good season. He's one of the reasons why the Mets are in first place and have the second-best record in the sport. He's got to get back to being that guy that he was earlier in the year. Because this ain't the time to go into a funk. I guess it's a time to go into a funk as opposed to, let's say, the playoffs. But you still want him to go out there and continue at that pace. Because that's what he's getting paid to do. Lindor is not one of these guys that can be looked at as just, oh, he's along for the ride. No, you're getting paid $341 million, dude. You should be the one arguably leading the charge on this team. And you can't sit here and say he's the best hitter on the team. Not even close. I mean... Jeff McNeil's the best hitter on the team. Pete Alonzo is their biggest run producer on this team. You know, Starling Marte has had a very, very productive season, and Lindor's right there. You know, Nimmo's had a decent year, of course. Now these guys, though, got to get in sync. You know, they got to make it all happen together. That would be nice. And they got a three-game lead right now in the standings on the Atlanta Braves. Braves are back at it tonight, too. They're going to be opening a series at home against the lowly Colorado Rockies. We just got done with them taking three out of four here. And the Rockies, you know, they're still the same team they were a few, a few days ago when they were playing the Mets. They're the worst road team in Major League Baseball. So do you have any confidence whatsoever that they're going to go down to Atlanta and help out the Mets and maybe beat up the Braves for a couple of days? I don't. I don't. But that's why you play the games, right? But, boy, if the Mets could somehow just take two out of three, not somehow, I mean, it's possible. But if they can win this series against the Dodgers, look at what lies ahead after that. Three against Washington. Three against the Pirates. Three against the Marlins. Three against the Cubs. Four against the Pirates. That's 16 in a row against garbage opponents. 16 straight before you then even face another winning baseball team. And he got to play three games against the Brewers in Milwaukee. And the Brewers have been a shell 
of what they were most of the season since the trade deadline when they traded Josh Hader out of that clubhouse. Even though Josh, and even, you know what, it made the Brewers worse and it made Josh Hader even worse. Because Hader has been removed as the closer in San Diego. That's how bad he's been. He's, he was probably still shell-shocked that the Brewers even moved him. Why the hell would they trade me? So it's all lining up for the Mets for the next couple of weeks. Just don't stub your toe over the next few days against the Dodgers. And you know what? You'd like to think that they're still going to be in good shape in this National League East. Mets' schedule gets easier. Braves' schedule gets a little bit more challenging. Maybe gain a little bit of separation than just the three games where they're at right now. And that's why I still feel confident that the Mets are going to hang on and win this division. You have to. And tonight it falls on the shoulders of Taiwan Walker. See if he can go out there and set the tempo here in game one of a series against a team that, you know, 51 games over 500. They're setting some historic paces right now, but I don't think they're unbeatable. And especially when you really narrow it down and look at that starting pitching, I don't think the Dodgers are an unbeatable team. I don't. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. A lot of things to get to tonight. As I said, we'll have Brian Geltzeiler a little bit later on talking about the Knicks and RJ and Donovan Mitchell, he of NBA Radio. Brian Hoke, who covers the Yankees for MLB.com, he will join us from out in Anaheim where the Yanks and Halos will play game two of that series a little bit later on this evening. Amazon Prime game, by the way, for those that want to consume it visually this evening. I, you never know when these Prime games are. I thought it was only Fridays, but now there's Tuesday games, Wednesday games. Mon I mean, you never know where to figure this out. Good job by uh, Jeff Bezos ruining everybody's lives so he could get a little bit richer and take the, um, you know, stream Yankee games every so often. We come back, though. We'll take your calls. And i got to be honest with you, something is happening tonight at Citi Field. And if you're a faithful follower of the Twitter account of yours truly, you probably have a little bit of a hint as to where I'm going with this because I posted something earlier today. Something's going on tonight which kind of rubs me the wrong way. got to be honest. You know, I don't lie to you people. I'm as honest as Abe Lincoln. Something's bothering me, and I'll tell you exactly what that is. We'll get this thing rolling. Dan Grosser's show on a Tuesday, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. What bothers me is, and I don't know if you guys have seen this or not, 
the Mets have been, I guess, promoting this for, you know, a couple of weeks. And everybody knows the, the, the entrance music for Diaz, and he's having a fantastic season, and it's kind of taken on a life of its own, and it's gone viral and all those things, which is great. I've, I've got no problem with that. You know, it's, it, it's catchy. It fires you up. And more importantly, the fact that he's doing his job and he's saving games and getting hitters out, I mean, he can play whatever the hell you want. But if it's that song, great, whatever. I don't care if it was Ring Around the Rosie and he's sitting there and being the most dominant reliever in the game. Then you know what? Let that go viral, whatever. But, you know, the Mets want to use this as a, you know, a PR opportunity. And so, you know, they got a hold of Timmy Trumpet's people. I don't know if he has people or if maybe they just got a hold of Timmy Trumpet himself. I don't know. Maybe they talked to the trumpet. And they arranged a night for him to come out. And I remember reading this a couple of weeks ago. Not putting two and two together at all. But they said, yeah, on August the 30th, Timmy Trumpet's going to be at City Field for the Mets game. And he's going to play the song live if Edwin Diaz comes into the game. I was like, okay, fine, cool, no problem. I like it, great idea, whatever. Like, just win the game. But then as we got closer, I realized, and then today it really, like, hit home, tonight's not just any night. Tonight's against the Dodgers. Like, couldn't they have planned it a little better? Like, the Dodgers, they're the best team in baseball, right? They're 51 games over 500. So the point I'm and, – and, you know, I tweeted this out earlier today, and, and people are replying and be, because I, I think that it just doesn't comprehend to them. Either that or they're just like the most dyed-in-the-wool Met fans and they wear Mets pajamas all day long and they just can't see anything other than orange and blue. And it allows them to cloud their judgment. I'm not taking a shot at the Mets, okay? I'm one of you people. I'm a Mets fan. The point I'm trying to make is don't you think that by setting something like this up, you're implying that Edwin Diaz hopefully gets in the game at some point, right? Because that's when Edwin Diaz comes into games. It's when the Mets have a lead in the ninth inning or now in the eighth inning as Buck has been doing on occasion. But it's to protect the lead, since when do you just assume that you're going to have a lead in the eighth inning, the ninth inning, against a team that's 51 games over 500? That's my only gripe with it. And especially when you consider that the Washington Nationals are the next opponent up, and they're going to be in here this weekend, they stink. Don't you think there's a greater probability that the Mets would have a lead and that Edwin Diaz would be called upon to close a game against the Nationals? Then you could say about the Los Angeles Dodgers. So I just, you know, was Timmy not available this weekend? Did he have Labor Day weekend plans? Right? Like it had to be tonight. To me, it's almost like a case of, you know, the expression like touching the money. Don't touch the money. And that's what I think the Mets are kind of doing with this whole Timmy Trumpet thing against the Dodgers. I'm sure if anybody with the Dodgers, if they needed some, like, bulletin board material, they could probably look at that. I'm sure Dave Roberts told his guys before the game tonight, hey, you see that guy with the trumpet right there? You know? That ain't Dizzy Gillespie. Instead, he's the guy who plays the Edwin Diaz song. Edwin Diaz only comes in the game when the Mets have a lead late in the game. So they think they're going to have a lead late in the game regardless of who the opponent is. And the Mets have a lead in the first inning, but it's not the ninth inning. They're not going to bring in Diaz in the second inning. That would be, wouldn't that be great? Because the Dodgers are throwing the ball around. Good old Andrew Heaney, who's not going to, you know, confuse anybody with Jim Cott when it comes to his fielding prowess as a pitcher, 
who uh, Marte tried to bunt for a base hit. Haney went to go field it, and he threw the ball into right field, trying to get the out at first base. Nimmo comes around and scores. That would be fantastic. Like if the if if like Buck gets like a phone call in the dugout from upstairs. Then they're like, hey, we want to make sure that you know Timmy Trumpet gets paid. <laughs> this this would have happened under the Wilpons, the old regime, right? They would have called down to Buck in the dugout, and they would have said, hey, Buck. <laughs> Make sure, make sure we get Timmy Trumpet going tonight and get Diaz in the game so he gets paid. Let's bring in Diaz to pitch the second inning because we know we got a lead already. Something like that, right? That 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 that's the old Mets. That's what would have happened here. But do you get what I'm saying? You know, don't touch the money. Don't tug on Superman's cape, if you will. Let the thing play out the way it's supposed to. Or give, like, Timmy Trumpet, like, multiple dates for him to maybe show up to the ballpark. Like, have him kind of say, why can't he sit in the bullpen with Edwin Diaz? Right? And then, like, one of the, you know, have him sit out there for a week. I'm sure that Timmy Trumpet, you know, on his tours or whatever, he does, like, multiple dates in one city or whatever the hell he does. Mets can afford, Steve Cohen, think about how many Met old-timers he flew in over the weekend for the festivities. You mean to tell me he can't afford to pay for um, Timmy Trumpet to come back for a day? You don't think that that could happen? Of course it can. Have him sit out here for like three nights, and then whichever one that Edwin Diaz gets in, tremendous. Tremendous. I don't know. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. And thankfully, the Yankees' Andrew Heaney has shown up tonight because he's in a world of trouble before the Mets have even been able, or before he's been able to record an out tonight as the first three Mets have reached and Mets have a run on the board already. Uh, Speaking of Edwin Diaz, though, here is the manager of the Mets, Buck Showalter, on what it's like having that guy at the back end of the bullpen and being so dominant. I don't think we ever take for granted what he's doing. It's hard. And every day that passes, it's kind of funny. I get a question in here, like, when he actually has somebody on base or first and second or walks somebody, it's like, what's going on with him? I mean, you know, it's what happens. It's a hard job. And it's not always – I tell you, one of the biggest things is the stress. Like, you know, you're always saying when you're in a situation where how much is enough, how much is enough, how much is enough, it kind of it wears on players, the, the team. And he's been kind of a guy for us that says that's enough. And he's made leads matter. And he's made, and the stress of it hasn't been, sometimes the end game is, you know, there's not this, closing out one run game, three up, three down, is really hard to do on the road. I remember the first time I thought, I really thought I had a closer in Zach Britton was he had uh, lost a game in a safe situation in New York against the Yankees and came back the next day and actually got hit a walk off off of him and next day he came in and went three up three down about 10 pitches I remember going up the runway with Roger McDowell I think it was and saying hey we got a closer you know there's certain moments where you know they've graduated and mentally they're always that mental toughness it takes but uh, I think with some of the things that Edwin's been through in the past not just here I think it's like Max he, he never takes any situation for granted he doesn't come in and go boy is he bearing down he's bearing down first pitch the last pitch if you would have told me what back in 2019 that this is where we would be right now with Edwin Diaz and talking about a guy who is ingrained himself into this city to the extent that he has this season with the way that he's pitched 
and with the Timmy Trumpet song and all those things. I, I would have thought you were crazy. Do you remember how disastrous that first year was? You remember that? You remember the game, that game in Washington where the Mets had like a, what, like a five or six run lead in the, in the ninth inning and Diaz comes in and like Kurt Suzuki hits one basically to the Capitol building for a walk-off home run. As, as great as like that Met win was this year in Philadelphia when they scored the seven runs in the ninth inning, th- that was how bad that game in D.C. was that year in 19. Like anything that could go wrong would go wrong. And I remember all the talk about, boy, Edwin Diaz, he can't pitch in New York. He's not cut out for New York. He'll never last here. And he even got some of that even the next couple of seasons. But my gosh, now you can't even imagine the Mets not having this guy. And you're hoping that they do everything they possibly can to make sure he sticks around in the offseason. And it's going to cost them. But you know what? You don't mind spending that money. Because you know that you got a guy who can at least now pitch in the pressure cooker and can thrive and excel at the highest level. You're talking about a guy, Edwin Diaz is going to get Cy Young votes. He's not gonna, I'm not saying he's going to win the Cy Young people, okay? But Edwin Diaz will finish in the top 10 in the Cy Young vote. Edwin Diaz is probably going to get some low-ballot MVP votes this year in the National League. He's been that good. And amazingly, Brody Van Wagenen now looks like a genius all these years later. And that's why, like, we, you know, we touched on it last night. If Edwin Diaz can author this turnaround for his story and his legacy in this city, you mean to tell me Julius Randle can't have a bounce-back season next year for the Knicks? Julius Randle, the guy who just two years ago had a major, major season already? You know, like, he has it in his repertoire? Incredible. Really, really Incredible. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. A couple of things real quick I want to mention before we go to the break. Number one, the White Sox tweeted out a little while ago that Tony La Russa, the manager, is not going to manage tonight against Kansas City. They put out a statement which said at the direction of his doctors, Tony La Russa will miss tonight's game against Kansas City. La Russa is scheduled to undergo further medical testing tomorrow in Chicago. So you hope that he's okay. They're going to uh, provide an update on his status prior to tomorrow night's game against the Royals. Also, you know, the Yankees play Tampa Bay when they're done with the Angels here. And Tampa Bay is only seven games behind them in the American League East. And Tampa Bay has been playing really, really good baseball, have the Rays. Shane McClanahan was supposed to start tonight for them. Shane McClanahan, the guy who started the American League All-Star game this year, okay, He was scratched from his start tonight while he was in the bullpen warming up just before first pitch. They're calling it a left shoulder impingement. Guess what? Shoulder and impingement are not good words that you want together in the same sentence, especially if it's your shoulder. You know, if it's somebody else's shoulder, who gives a you-know-what? But if it's yours, then that's a problem. So you don't want to see anybody get hurt, but that could be a big loss for the Tampa Bay Rays because – They've played really well the last couple of weeks, and the driving force behind their play has been their starting pitching and their pitching in general. They're pitching to a 2-5 ERA in the last 16 games, which is as good as anybody, I think, in the league. So to lose McClanahan, that would be a major, major blow for that baseball team. 800-919-3776. We come back. We'll switch gears, talk a little hoops. RJ, not going anywhere. I know that that makes Knicks fans happy. Dan Grasa, 
Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk to Brian Geltzeiler of NBA Radio coming up at 8 o'clock. one nothing Mets in the top of the second inning over the Dodgers. They do scratch across that run in the first, and that was on the throwing error by Andrew Heaney on the Starling Marte bunt that we told you. But again, you know, that first inning, or at least the bottom of the first there, kind of encapsulated the struggles the Mets have been going through and what I've been complaining about about this offense right now. They're not tacking on runs. They're getting like one early, and that's it. They scored the run, they had first and third, nobody out, and they don't get another run home. You know, Lindor tries to steal second base, he gets thrown out by about 12 miles. I don't know what that was all about, but, you know, you're not going to get these opportunities. Even though it's Andrew Heaney, you're not going to be long for this game, and then Roberts is going to go to his bullpen, and then good luck trying to deal with those guys. Anyway, let's talk about something happier. Right? Talk about something a little bit more pleasant these days. And how about the Knicks? How about the Knickerbockers? Right? There you go. Bing bong. Bing bong. That's what I wanted to hear. A little bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. And you know what? Everybody loves them some R.J. Barrett. Like, you could not talk about a Donovan Mitchell trade proposition over the last couple of months. If you included R.J. Barrett's name in it, you couldn't. God forbid. You can't go there, right? He was the golden goose. Couldn't do it. Remember, uh, what was it, last week or the week before we put that poll question up during one of the shows on Twitter? Like, would you include R.J. Barrett's na- R.J. Barrett in a trade for Donovan Mitchell? And how many? I mean, it was like 70-30 or something like that. No way. No way, Jose. Are you trading, uh, are you trading R.J.? Well, guess what? We know one thing. If the Knicks are going to make a deal with the Utah Jazz and if Donovan Mitchell is going to come back to the East Coast, it ain't going to include R.J. Barrett. Not after last night. And good job by the team. Good job by everybody involved. The organization, player development, front office, coaching staff, you name it. Because this doesn't happen every day in Knickland. I don't have to tell you that. You know the team as well as I do. Go back to 1999. That was the last century. When the Knicks had a player that they drafted that they actually gave a second contract to. Remember good old Charlie Ward, our buddy? Well, that was 23 years ago. Charlie Ward and R.J. Barrett. Wow. 
Long time in between. A lot of swings and misses in between. I think we can all agree, and that's why, you know, Garden Knights have not been very prosperous over the years. But hopefully that's changing. Hopefully things are going to be different now. Four years, $120 million are up to $120 million. Seems like a fair deal for both sides. I mean, you're not talking about a guy who's 30 either. You're talking about a guy who's, what, 22, 23? So even after those four years, he's still going to be in a position to cash in for mega bucks. And he's probably, like, just entering the prime of his career. They didn't give him the rookie max. That would have been five for 193, so they're saving a couple of dollars, and RJ's going to have to go out there and prove it. So I like it for both sides. And I keep coming back to the same darn thing when you're talking about this trade. Even without R.J. Barrett, who can the Utah Jazz get more from than the New York Knicks in a possible trade? Okay, according to the reports, last night was supposed to be like the deadline that Leon Rose and Danny Ainge kind of, or at least Leon Rose, drew a line in the sand and said, hey, if we don't get something done by Monday night, We're walking away for now, and then we're going to give R.J. Barrett this contract extension. So they did it. But it doesn't mean that they can't revisit the deal again. It doesn't mean that Donovan Mitchell would be traded or won't be traded, even by the time training camp opens at the end of next month. But Barrett's not going to be a part of it because there's a poison pill provision in these rookie-scale deals. So what it is is that if R.J. is included in the trade – the outgoing salary is only going to be $10.9 million for the Knicks, but the incoming salary for the team that's acquiring him, 26.2. No club in their right mind is going to want to absorb that. That gets lifted July the 1st when the deal officially begins. July 1st of next year, of course. So, RJ's sticking around. He's going to be here. So everybody that's a fan of, you know, homegrown talent, developing that type of player, letting him grow, all those things, hey, you got it. You got what you wanted. And that's fine, right? I have no problem with it. You know, when I was sitting here advocating, not advocating, advocating is a strong word, guys, right? Let me take that back. When I sat here and said that I would not be opposed to, to including R.J. in a deal if it was going to bring back a player as talented as a Donovan Mitchell. It's not saying that I wanted to get rid of him. In a perfect world, I would love to have Mitchell but keep R.J. Barrett. But now it looks like that that's a possibility, so great. I didn't know this. I saw this earlier today, which really surprised me. And you know what? It's encouraging. RJ's one of only five players in NBA history, history, to amass 3,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 200 three-pointers before his 22nd birthday. You know who the other four players are? Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Luka Doncic. That's not bad company to be in. Not bad at all. And think about it. RJ's done it for better or for worse without even having a legitimate point guard here during his time with the club. I'm Hey, you know what? I think this is a brilliant move. Brilliant. That they were able to get this done. Now, let's hear from our buddy Jay Will, who was on KJM. It's his show. He is one-third of KJM, which you hear mornings. Right here on 98.7 
ESPN beginning at 8 a.m. right after Dave and Rick get finished. Says that the Knicks should be holding on to young talent and their draft picks. Sometimes you have to play hardball here in New York. And one of the things that you have to ensure in order to play hardball is having a guy like James Dolan behind you doing it the long way, which is the right way, which is not rushing. So this whole narrative that is floating out there about, well, Leon Rose, he's on the verge of losing his job. So a knee-jerk reaction has to come into place, right? Like, I'm I'm worried about losing my job, so now I have to go out and get a star because that's going to make New York fans somewhat okay and it can, you know, level the playing field and give me more time. Actually, I would advise going the opposite direction. I would say guys like Emmanuel Quickly, OB Toppin, your undrafted first round protection picks. Keep them. Keep them. Keep stockpiling. A, a keep smart building. franchise would. Yeah. Be patient. Well, not only that, you know, say what you want about the Knicks, right? But is there any guy, like, like, like I, I told you the thing about Charlie Ward in 1999. Has there been any draft pick in the last 23 years that you would look at that the Knicks have made and say to yourself, oh, we should have given him a second contract? Really, have there been that many? I don't think there's a lot of buyer's remorse there, so that has to do with the selection of these players more than anything else. But you know what? I admire this. That this regime identified a young player who grew up in this system, is continuing to get better, may or may not be at his ceiling, let's hope not, and that there's still room to grow, and that he's still getting better, and you hold on to that guy. Got nothing to do with the fan base thinks. It's got nothing to do with, oh, let's go chase bigger game on another team right now. No. You don't discriminate against talent. The rule is to stockpile and acquire as many gifted players as possible. And R.J. Barrett right now checks all the boxes for you. And as I said, you're not talking about a guy that when this contract is done, it's not like he's going to be 35 and washed up. He's just getting started. He's just getting started, and that's why this is a brilliant move. 800-919-3776. I want to hear from you next because we're also going to get into the realistic possibility on whether or not a path to a deal with the Utah Jazz for Donovan Mitchell can be forged now that R.J. Barrett is off the table. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN, talking Knicks, talking R.J., talking Donovan Mitchell. Here are the bottom line. Danny Ainge, he wants at least four first-round picks unprotected. Knicks have reportedly only offered two of their picks that are unprotected, along with a few that are conditional draft choices. That's not good enough for Danny Ainge. He's also set to have his eyes on the Lakers' two unprotected first-rounders, but that's in 2027 and 2029. So maybe the Lakers are lumped into this thing as a potential third party in a deal, which we talked about last night here a little bit. Hey, this thing could still get done. Let's make it happen. Obi, Quentin Grimes, we'll even say IQ, pick one of those three. Supposedly they want Grimes. The Evan Fournier contract is going to have to go the other way to make all the money work. But the pieces are there. Get it done. Make it happen. 
it's not all that difficult. Like, there is a path to a deal that could be accomplished here. Adrian Wojnarowski, Woj, to you and I, was on Get Up this morning, and he was asked if this is the end of the Knicks' pursuit of Donovan Mitchell. There's still a pathway. It's more complicated, but R.J. Barrett now, four years, nearly $120 million, you know, averaged 20 points in his third season in New York. He could still be a part of the package. It just becomes more complicated now for New York and Utah to do a Donovan Mitchell trade. I expect they'll start talking again here at some point before camp. Utah really doesn't have traction anywhere else right now on Donovan Mitchell talks. Again, the Knicks, uh, their depth of draft picks separates them from the rest of the league. That's what Danny Ainge values in a trade deal. But R.J. Barrett is a player Utah really wanted, really values. And at least now they know what his contract extension looks like. It's agreed to in New York. He'll sign it. And so they wouldn't have to negotiate that with him if they did trade for him. It's just not going to happen. But there's other ways to get it done, as he said, and like we've been talking about, it could get done. Emmanuel in Flushing, up next, Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. Emmanuel, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, sir? Good, Emmanuel. Talk to me. What's going on? I'm good. I'm good. First off, congratulations of of having your own show. Well-deserved. Awesome, um, bud. Thank you. A, yeah, I think you're a hell of a, um, a hell of a, of a, of a handler. I see you do it just games as well. So congrats to you, and hopefully more years to come. Now, Appreciate you. Thank I you. I want to talk about the Knicks. I love it. I, I, I'm happy that RJ got his money. And you think about this, this. I mean, he's only 22 years old. I mean, it's amazing that he's still young and he's still growing. And and I and listen. I believe what you said. They're not done of, of, of the Donovan Mitchell season. I do think they'll make a deal, but I just don't see it doing before training camp because let's be uh, – if, if I won't be surprised if they if they could get him by either this um, – um, um, that, that, that trade, February trade deadline, or mm-hmm. even next summer because, remember, uh, Mitchell's contract is under, uh, is under contract for the next three or four years. Three more years. You're right. You're a thousand percent right about that. Hundred percent. I look. You know the the things of this nature. And Emmanuel, thank you for the phone call. Thank you for the kind words. Appreciate it. A deal like this, right? It's complicated in nature. There's a lot of moving parts, and especially, I mean, look at how much Danny Ainge has been working the phones. At least according to the reports, that now he's trying to get a third team involved so he could get a little bit more per se. Well, if that happens, it will take a little bit longer. But I always say, like, really complex deals like this, they're better to be – and this is in all sports, not just the NBA. They're better to be worked out in the offseason. Doesn't seem like there's as much going on. So even if these teams have to revisit during the year, like Emmanuel was saying during the trade deadline, at least they've been speaking all offseason and all summer. Like, the parameters have kind of been laid out there. I don't think anything is going to substantially change – between what all right, let's just say for example September, right? What's gonna be different philosophically from the Knicks or the Jazz from September to where let's say if these teams talk again and get something done in I don't know, January. They know who they are. They know who the other guy is. They know who the pieces are. They the, the Jazz know exactly what picks the Knicks have. 
The Jazz know exactly what picks they want from the Knicks. They know what picks the Knicks want to keep and don't want to include in a trade. So all the difficult conversations, all the fact-checking, all of that, it's been done already. So that would also possibly lend credence to maybe something getting done during the season. And that's why you have all these talks, right? That's why you, you hammer all these things out. But you never know. Watch us all be surprised, right? And they're going to get something done by training camp. And then Donovan Mitchell's going to show up in Westchester, you know, in a month from now, wearing a Nick jersey. Crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>